Today we're going to turn and look at some verses of Scripture in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you've got a Bible, wonderful. If you've got a Bible app, that's great. Uh, or you can just watch on the screen. I certainly hope you had a great time with your family and friends uh, during Christmas. I know that we certainly did. And, uh, but most of all, that we remember that Christ is the reason. I was, I was talking to Jesse about that. Uh, the entire world stands still on Christmas. And I know so many times we say, uh, we don't say, but different individuals say happy holidays. And, and, and you know, uh, we, we try to, the politically correct thing is to try to get away from the terminology of Christmas. But if it was simply happy holidays, then this day would be celebrated on, uh, you know, say the fourth Monday or the, the fourth Monday of December. And so if it was just happy holidays, it'd be, we might celebrate one year on December 21st and the next year on the 22nd and the next time on the 24th. And then you, you see where I'm getting, if it was just happy holidays, but the entire world stands still on Christmas day. Why? To recognize whether they want to admit it or not, to recognize that the savior of the world was born in Bethlehem. Praise God. Amen. 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. And so uh, today, uh, let, me, let me talk to you uh, about some verses of Scripture found here in Matthew chapter 2. And it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem and they were asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars that arose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called for a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. And he asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling city of Judah, for a ruler will come for you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He learned from them the time when the star first appeared, and they told him, and then he told them, he said, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this inter interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. One more final verse. And they, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They <clears throat> bowed down, worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, everyone dreams of a gift that they can actually use, okay? And, uh, and we dream of giving the perfect gift. We want to find something, just the right thing for everybody in our life. And many times, people get into this notion or this uh, activity of re-gifting. Has anyone here ever re-gifted? Have you ever done that? You got something that was less than perfect for you and thought, well, maybe I can give that to someone else. Okay, now, now if, it's, if it's brand new, that's not a problem. If it's obviously used, that could be a problem, okay? That could be problematic, all right? Uh, 
And so this notion of it, it, it's a real thing. It's, it's, it's a real deal that uh, a survey said that over 50% of Americans for at least one time in their life will re-gift. And uh, what it does is it takes something off our hands and it pushes it toward the next person or maybe it, it, it eases the burden of giving another gift, of being able to afford, afford another gift that you're going to give to someone else. Now, in Matthew chapter 2, we have the story of the wise men coming to see Jesus. Now, listen, in most church Christmas pageants, okay, we've got Mary and Joseph. They're coming into Bethlehem. They're looking for a place to stay. They have no place. There's no room in the inn. I talked to you about that last week. They, the, the innkeeper shows them the stable. They go to the stable. Mary gives birth to Jesus. And then this is the, 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 the typical Christmas pageant. And so then the shepherds, the angels appear to the shepherds, and the shepherds come. And the same time at the pageant, a little bit later, the three wise men come. The scripture doesn't say that there's three wise men. It just says there are three gifts, okay? And uh, the music is playing in the background at the pageant, and, and the lighting is just right, and everything comes together, okay? But the very truth of the matter is, okay, is this. The wise men did not come to see Jesus on the night he was born. I know that a lot of you, that's just totally blowing you away, okay? But, but he did not, they did not come on the, the night he was born. In fact, we don't even know if there was three, okay? There, kind of, there could have been two or four or nine, okay? Could have been a whole parade of, of wise men. But they came, and they brought him three gifts. But it was a little bit after he was born, that the wise men came. They saw the star and they began to journey and they began, they wanted to find Jesus. And so they went there. And so uh, I think that this is an appropriate post-Christmas message, okay? Because this post-Christmas message is really for mature believers, okay? It's not, uh, maybe it's, it doesn't fit into our parameters of what we think the Christmas story is all about, but there is actually a story of deep devotion and deep concentration or consecration that we see in the lives of these wise men. The first thing I want to talk to you about is this. Childhood, you can write this down if you want to. You can make a middle, middle note. The first point is this. Childhood focuses on the receiving, on the receiving. As children, it was all about the receiving. Our parents went and found the perfect Christmas tree, okay? Our parents brought the Christmas, they bought the Christmas tree. They, our parents brought it home. They decorated the Christmas tree. They put the lights on it for us. They got everything ready. They were responsible for getting everything on our Christmas list, if you will. They paid for all the gifts. They paid for all the food. Everyone else baked the delicious Christmas cookies and all of the dessert. Someone else stuffed the turkey, if you understand where I'm coming from. Someone else prepared the Christmas dinner. And as children, we were on the receiving end. Because childhood is about this. It is about receiving. Receiving everything that is good. As children, 
All we had to do was wake up on Christmas morning and stumble into the living room, okay? Now, when we were kids, I thought both my sisters were going to be here today, but only one of them, Linda's here today. And uh, when we were kids, Linda, I know you can remember, we didn't wait for our parents to wake up. We woke up when it was still dark, okay? It's still dark. It could be 4 o'clock in the morning. If I wake up and it's Christmas morning, we're going to go down and we're going to open some presents, okay? That was my responsibility. I'm waking up. I'm getting up. It is still dark outside. I'm going to the living room. I'm going to the Christmas tree. Why? Because I'm going to get the stuff that my parents have purchased. We are going to get the stuff that our parents have purchased for us. So as children, we are on the receiving end. We enjoyed all the sacrifices of our parents. We're focused on the receiving. But as adults, as parents, we find that we are in for a rude awakening. I remember the very first Christmas that Debbie and I got married, okay? And back in those days, we bought a gift for every member of our family, okay? It wasn't near as big then as it is now. Now it's like, you know, golly, my, Debbie's side of the family was like 50 people, okay? It's a little bit smaller then, okay? Because everyone wasn't married and everybody didn't have kids, but there were, you know, several were, were married, you know, and uh, they had some children, and so we went out and didn't make much money. We bought a gift for everyone. It's tough buying a gift for everyone in the family, and we found it as an adult, as a kid, it was all about the receiving, but we figured out that we needed to start giving. And as adults, we had to figure out how that we were going to buy the Christmas tree. We had to figure out how we were going to pick out the Christmas tree. We had to figure out how we were going to put the Christmas tree up. We had to figure out how we were going to hang the lights. And we were going to buy all the gifts. And we were going to wrap all the gifts. And we had to figure out how to stuff a turkey. Okay, are you with me? We had to figure out what figgy pudding was. All of those things about Christmas that everyone else had done for us in the past, when we became adults, things began to shift. Things became different. Now, now listen, we love to give gifts. How many of you guys like? I enjoy giving gifts, okay? If I know that it is a good gift and it's a right gift and it's a perfect gift, I can't, Alanis, I can't wait to give it to them, okay? I get so excited about like this year, every year usually I try to get one special gift for Debbie. And it's like, wait to the very last thing. It's like, hey, now I got one more gift for you, you know? Your one final gift, one, one year, get this, okay? One year it was a Litton, I think it was a Litton microwave oven. You say, what is the big deal about a Litton microwave oven? Listen, this is back in the day when they cost three and $400. It was a big deal. Okay? No, it was a sharp. It was a sharp carousel. I paid $350 for it. It was so proud of that microwave. Okay? So proud of that. Listen, I enjoy giving gifts. I enjoy giving just the right gift. Because if I give just the right gift, that people enjoy it. I love to see the expression on their face. Childhood is about the receiving. Childhood is focused on getting what your parents got for you. But being an adult is, is this, it's giving. And that's the second point. Maturity sees the blessing or knows the blessing in the giving. 
It knows the blessing and the giving. It, it gets past that, what's, what am I going to get? And rather, it's about, James, it's about what am I going to give? What am I going to bless someone else with? What am I going to bestow on someone else? How am I going to, what, what is going to put joy? What is going to put a smile on someone else's face? Childhood is about the receiving, but being an adult, being mature, is about the giving. Maturity knows the blessing. There's a, there's a blessing in giving. It works the same way spiritually. As a brand new Christian, we're on the receiving end. Listen, I told you that this message was for mature audiences, okay? And the reason I didn't uh, speak this word to you last week is last week is like Christmas. That was a Christmas message, okay? This is a Christmas message for grown-up Christians, okay? This is a Christmas, Christmas message for mature believers. But as a brand new Christian, we're on the receiving end. Christ, now listen, Christ gives us salvation freely, and childlike faith is very important. Debbie's told me before, and she works in the kids' ministry, okay? And Debbie, is Debbie in the auditorium this morning? No, yeah. she's, is she in here? No, no she's no. back there with the kids, okay? I can't see, listen, folks, I mean, I can see, but a lot of times when I'm speaking, I can't see past like the second row, okay? It's like... So anyway, but Debbie always tells me, she said, listen, Bob, she said, if I'm really sick, she said, I will get some of the kids in the children's church to pray for me. Why? Because they've got a childlike faith. They just believe it. They just accept it. They're on the receiving end of the blessings of God. That is key. That is very important that we be on the receiving end. That we receive the, the gifts, that we receive the love that God has to give to us, that we receive the forgiven, forgiveness that God has to give us. If we need a healing, that we receive the healing that God has to give us. Childlike faith is, is very important. I don't want to discount childlike faith. It is key because unless we become like little children in our faith, We'll never please God, okay? Childlike faith is very important, but maturity knows the blessing, not just in receiving, but, but maturity knows the blessing in the giving. But as a brand new Christian, if you need a word of encouragement, all you got to do is open your Bible. You've been there before. You don't know anything about the Bible. You don't know anything about Scripture, but you need something from God and you just open your word up, and what happens? God gives you exactly the word that you need, okay? You know, you've been there before. God opens up your understanding. He knows that you don't maybe, maybe even know where, you know, Ephesians is, or you don't know where, where whatever Zechariah is, but God shows you something that he lays something on your heart. As a brand new Christian, God blesses you. God encourages you. As a brand new Christian, God is so gracious that he looks down on us and he gives us exactly what we need for that particular moment. And as a new believer, we just show up and God blesses us. We just show up and enjoy the blessings. We just show up and enjoy the meal. When I was 10 years old, I didn't have to worry about the meal because I knew grandma was going to have the meal ready to go, okay? And I'm just going to show up and the, the, the meal would be, I was going to show up and the pair of socks and the bottle of Old Spice was going to be there from Grandma. 
There's some of you old enough to remember Old Spice and Socks at Christmas time. It was Grandma's favorite gift. Hallelujah. Hit the spot. Wish Grandma was still around to give me a gift like that. Brand new Christians, we just show up and enjoy the meal. There's no thought of who provided it. Get this. There's no thought of who paid for it. There's no thought of who prepared it. But older, more mature Christians, they're the ones who are doing the work, okay? They're the ones that's providing it. And as children, we're focused on the receiving. As immature believers, many times, we're focused on the receiving. But maturity in Christ shows us this, that the blessing is in the giving. Paul said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And there's a, here's a very unique thing about this uh, verse of Scripture um, that I want to point out to you, that when Paul said this, Acts 20, 35, I'll read it, and then I'll, I'll make a note about it. it. says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Paul was a hard worker. He, he'd been an example to the people. You should remember the words of Jesus it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, Paul said that Jesus said that. There's nowhere recorded in Scripture where Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, okay? But there's another verse in the Bible that says that all the works and acts of Jesus are not necessarily recorded in Scripture, okay? Because if they were, all the books in the world could not contain the, contain the works and the acts of Jesus Christ. But, but Jesus, Paul met Jesus they come from different times and different points. But Paul appeared to Jesus and told him this. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said this, as a child, you thought it was all about the receiving. But when you become a mature man or woman in God, you'll put away childish things and you realize this. There's a blessing that comes in giving. There's a blessing that comes in helping others. There's a, get this, there's a blessing that comes from helping in the nursery. There's a blessing that comes in working on the new church. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a blessing that comes in finishing the drywall. Amen. There's a blessing that comes on working on the rock, the stonework on the church. There's a blessing that comes from helping to build that new front on that church. Amen. Can I say, can I get a witness today? As a child, it's all about the receiving, but as a mature woman, woman, uh, man or woman in, in the Lord, we realize this, the blessing is in the giving. It's in the giving. We were sitting on 8,000, this is one of my favorite stories. We were sitting on $8,000 worth of insulation that the city of Columbia rejected on our building. They rejected it. They said, that insulation's no good. We'd already bought it. We had it. It's sitting in trailers on our property. We're ready to put it up in our building, okay? So what are we going to do? Well, I was talking to the guy putting the building up, and he said, well, here's what you need, Okay. And so we got the new insulation package that was approved by the city. It added $30,000 to our job. So $30,000, more cost, but we're still sitting on $8,000 of insulation, okay? There's a church that burnt down in Climax Springs, Missouri, and we said this. I told Brandon, we're going to give Climax Springs that $8,000 worth of insulation, and this is the part of the story I want to tell you, and I usually start crying when I, when I say it. 
I told Brandon, I said, if we'll give that church, if we'll give that church that $8,000 worth of insulation, God will bless us. And here's what Brandon told me, <laughs> buddy. And this is the part that tears me up. Brandon said this. He said, Dad, if God doesn't bless us, we'll bless them. Think about that for a minute. If God doesn't bless us, we're going to bless them. There's some of us, if we would grow up in God and realize the mature, the, 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 the blessing is in the giving, we wouldn't be so stingy with everything. We realize this, if God, God can use you, God wants to use you to bless someone else. God wants to use you to minister to someone else. Paul said, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, when, when we grow in Christ, change happens. The reason I'm so adamant about you reading the Word of God, because if you can read the Word of God, I don't care, either read the Word of God or listen to the Word of God. You can listen to it, that's fine. If you will get the Word of God in your heart, change will begin to happen because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God will do something amazing in your life as you begin to listen to the word of God. And the word of God impacts us and affects the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we live. Our, as we grow in Christ, our role in the Lord changes. We're no longer simply on the receiving end. Yes, we do receive the blessings of God. Yes, we do receive the healings that, that come from the Lord. Yes, we do we do receive financial blessings and all of these things and spiritual blessings. But that's not the end of it. But rather, God shows us this, that there's a blessing that comes from the giving. We need to become like the wise men who came to see Jesus. Maturity recognizes the blessing in giving. You see, the wise men, and here's the part of the story that's all about maturity. The wise men were the seasoned veterans. They came to see Jesus. Their motive was praise. Their motive was worship. And we can see that praise and worship because when they came to Jesus, they gave Jesus the very best that they had. They, they, they came, and first of all, they gave Jesus praise. Anybody can make noise, but a person that's been forgiven knows how to praise. If Jesus Christ has come into your life and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, no one is going to have to tell you how to praise God. You don't have to praise God like I do. Okay, And the reason I sit on the front seat is because I don't have to pay attention or get distracted by anyone else. <laughs> I can praise God. And you don't have to praise like me. But if you know that you've been forgiven, if you know that Christ has brought you and it, there's a journey and there's a process of growing and you know that your sin has been lifted and you've been forgiven, no one is going to have to coach you in your praising but it'll come freely it'll come freely from your heart so first of all they gave their praise they gave their they were worshipers mature women and men and women in Christ are true worshipers secondly they gave their finest they gave Jesus gold frankincense and myrrh you say what is, what is the significance well this gold recognizes the deity and the kingship of Jesus. 
gold was a was a an appropriate gift to give to a king. And so when they gave him the gold, it said this, you are the king of kings, and they gave him the gold. They gave him frankincense. It represented atonement or payment for a sins. It, it, it recognized the priestly role and the priestly duty of Jesus. So gold said he, he's a king. Frankincense said he is a priest. And then finally, we have myrrh. Okay, you know what myrrh was used in? Myrrh was used for embalming. Now, that's a funny gift, you know, to give to a newborn baby, embalming. Some, some spice that's going to be used in embalming a dead body, okay? And if you, were read, if you were reading in the Bible, I think it's in Mark chapter 15, well, it's actually in several of the Gospels, or most of the Gospels, this story about the burial of Jesus, that after Jesus was taken down from the cross, or after he died, there's a man, a rich man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. He came and wanted to bury Jesus. Remember I told you the prophecy a few weeks ago? And the prophecy said this. It said that Jesus would, would die among the criminals, but he would be buried with the wealthy. And so here was Joseph of Aramea. He came, he asked for the body of Jesus, he took the body of Jesus down from the, from the cross, and then in, in Mark chapter 15, it says that, that also Nicodemus came. Remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus was the, was the, he was the, uh, the, the, the Pharisee in John chapter 3. He came, and the Bible says this, he brought, get this, 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes for burial spices, to embalm the body of Jesus Christ. Did you know this, that during that particular time, myrrh was worth more than gold, okay? Now, it seems odd that you would give myrrh to a newborn baby, but what the myrrh signified was this, that Jesus would die as the perfect sacrifice. So here's what it said. He was a king, gold frankincense, he was a priest. And the myrrh said this, he'll be the perfect sacrifice. He'll be the perfect lamb. He'll die for the sins of all of mankind. But praise God, myrrh also, also represented the work of the Holy Spirit. Did you know this? According to Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Praise God. So here's what the gifts were. The gold was for the deity and the kingship. The frankincense said he's a priest. And finally, the myrrh said he will die for our sins, but he will be and is our risen Savior. Praise God, our risen Savior. Give him a hand today. He's worthy. He is our risen Savior. The wise men, the wise men came to Jesus with gifts. And their gifts were worthy of an eternal king. There was no dollar store gifts. There was no garage sale gifts. There was no recycled gifts. They dug into their treasure chest and they gave Jesus the very best that they had. Why? Because they realized this, they weren't children anymore. And they recognized the blessing was in the giving. Final point, and I'm closing. I'm closing. Jesus is worthy of our best. Yes. He's worthy of our best. Will, 
And Jason, if you guys could start passing out the elements of communion, we'll, I'll, let me make a, a few closing thoughts today in this message. Final point, Jesus is worthy of our best. He's worthy of our best. You say, what does that mean? Is this a sermon about money? Listen, he's worthy of our best, the best time of our day. He's worthy of the best time of our life. I'm, I've met people my whole life, and they said, you know what? One of these days, when I'm a broken down old man, when I'm tired of partying, when I'm tired of sleeping around, when I'm tired of carousing, when I'm tired of getting wasted, when I'm an old man or I'm an old woman, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what? He's worthy of our best right now. He's worthy of our best life right now. He's worthy of our best attitude. He's worthy of our joy today. He's worthy this morning of our best offering. He's worthy. He's worthy of our best. Immature people come into the presence of God and they demand a gift. The Pharisees were constantly demanding a sign from Jesus. The Pharisees, they thought that they were so spiritually mature but the Pharisees were always demanding a gift. They were always demanding a sign from Jesus. Why? To prove his deity. They were immature. The immature crowd was always expecting Jesus to give them another fish dinner. And immature people come to church and they say this, bless me if you can, preacher. Bless me if you can, and you better sing my favorite hymn because if you don't, I'll find a church that does. Preacher, you better do this. You better do that, preacher, because there's a hundred other churches that wants me. You better preach for my favorite translation from the Bible, and it better be King James Version because that's the version that Paul used. No, it's, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Preacher, your message better tickle my ears. You see, immaturity focuses on the receiving. But maturity focuses on how can I be a blessing? Where is my help needed? Instead of complaining about everything, let's roll up our sleeve and say, what can I do to make it better? Many years ago, when we were in the, when the, in the American Legion, I did an illustrated sermon. And in the illustrated sermon, now, now, when we was at the American Legion over on WW, if you know where that's at, there's some of you that remember that building. We was over there. So there'd be Sundays we'd come in there, and they had a big party the night before, you know. And there'd be beer bottles and all kinds of things and whiskey bottles all around, and the place was an absolute mess. So we come in there one Sunday and say, guys, we're going to do an illustrated sermon. And we always had the same people showed up. Every, every morning, the same people showed up to get the church ready. So I said, we're going to do things different this week. Instead of cleaning anything up, we're going to put more trash out. <laughs> so we took trash, and I dumped, <laughs> I dumped it in the auditorium. And I took and I messed up the bathrooms. I, I think it had been cleaned that week, but I messed it up. And I remember my mom came in there, and my mom said, Bob, what's wrong with this? <laughs> Bob, what's wrong with this church today? It's a mess in here. 
We need to clean this place up. Mom, it's part of the sermon today. <laughs> it's an illustrated sermon. And the point is, if we see a need, the point is this, if there's something that needs to be done, why don't we just get up and do it? Why don't we just rise up and be a blessing? Childhood focuses on the receiving, but maturity realizes this, there's a blessing in the giving. You say, well, I'm not going to do it unless I get blessing out of it. We need to be like Brandon. Listen, if God don't bless us, God's going to bless them. God's going to bless them. It's, it is within our power that we can be a blessing to other people. The wise men came into the presence of Jesus. They demanded, yeah, if you could help me out there. Thank you. I hope your hands are clean, buddy. Someone saw him go in the bathroom right after he came out of there. Lord, help me. I'm going to pray over that before I eat it. The wise men saw, they knew that the blessing was in the giving. They demanded nothing. They stood in reverence before Jesus. They, bought, they brought their best praise. They bought, brought their best worship. They brought their best adoration. They've been praying for the anointing. How many of you guys, how many of you guys have been praying for the service? Don't raise your hand. It's a rhetorical question. How many of you guys have been praying for your pastor? Say, Pastor Bob is one of the most horrible speakers I've ever heard speak. God help him. Give him something to say. We're tired of that nonsense. <laughs> we need your prayers, folks. We need your prayers. How many of you guys have been praying for that new building project? Get this. I was thinking about this, and as a pastor, I got to say it. We really need some of you guys to open up and give. Because we're sitting on a, a huge budget in our church, and I'm going to regret that I said this this afternoon, but I need to say it, that there's all kinds of resources that God wants to open, and some of them might be watching online today that's going to give to, 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 to help support that. Did you realize this, that LifeRock Church, we have set up and tore down for 10 years. There's very few church plants that can say that. We've set up and tore down for 10 years. But in our history, we've set up and tore down for 10 years. We're tired of setting up and tearing down. And folks, if we just release it, I've been stressed out about that parking lot. Going to be an astronomical amount of money. But there's resources out there. There's enough money out there right now. And God can bring that in. And God's going to bring that in. The blessing is in the giving. And I'm sorry if I've offended you by that, but I've just got to share that with you today. I want to tell you that today. The wise men brought their best. The wise men have been seeking and waiting for the Messiah. And they realized this, he was worthy of their best. Childhood focuses on receiving, but maturity knows the blessing of giving. And finally, Jesus is worthy of our best. He really is. All right, let's, let's close with prayer this morning. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, Lord, today. Help us, God, to grow in the faith. Help us, Lord, to be mature men and women in you. God, that we get past the stage of just expecting you to do everything and to answer everything that we ask you for. And God, we'll be like the wise men. We'll come with our best praise, our best worship. 
the best time of, of our life, God, we'll give unto you, God. The best service we'll give unto you, Lord. Help us, I pray, to learn in you, God. Teach us your word that we'll be students of your word, dear God. And the word will impact us and the word will affect us in the way that we live. God, there's someone that we can bless. There's someone in our life right now that we can help. And I pray, God, that we'll see past ourselves, and we'll begin to reach out and bless and help and minister to other people because the blessing is in the giving. And God, that first and foremost, that we'll give Christ the very best that we have. Bless us in all these things. Bless every person that's here today. There's someone today that needs a job. There's someone this morning that needs a financial miracle. There's someone that needs a healing, God. There's someone that's here today that needs deliverance. There's someone that needs a, a spiritual healing. God, Holy Spirit, do your work in this place right now, God. Those folks that's watching online, God, reach into those living rooms or those automobiles, God, and begin to, Holy Spirit, begin to do a tremendous work in people's lives right now. Right now. God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, only you. Only you, God, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.